Welcome to the Swerving Fridge, the only podcast caught between a very hungry wolf and a very quarrelsome sheep. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4 of House of Cards. This was a dense episode. I'm not. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to educate the people on the plot here. Yeah, this, because the first few times that I watched this episode, I did not understand what was happening. Yeah, this um, this is one of the reasons why I think this is a great show mm-hmm. because uh, Frank had three or four ways, maybe five ways, even to get to where he needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had like you know one A through one E, but all of them would have been paths of success. And it's pretty much played masterfully, and he did a good amount of devastation along the way, too. Oh, yeah. Some hurt feelings, certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to have, like, a 10-minute conversation. We paused it yeah. at one point and just said, okay, what just happened here? Because I understood the machinations in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> you understood the machinations in the middle. But and not we kind the of, beginning. And we kind of put our nods together, and then we, I think from that point forward, we were on the same page about what was going down. Okay, so do we want to run through kind of the main plot thread here with Frank? Yeah. What's going on? It, so do you want do you want to start, and I'll jump in? Or? Well, you understood the beginning better, so okay. go for that. So the the problem was the Speaker of the House, who is, of course, a Democrat, and uh, is kind of like the president of the, the House. <laughs> okay. Absolutely was going to... Uh, stonewall the president on the one of the chief cornerstones of his uh, um, education bill platform, which is something revolving around charter school vouchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teachers union hated it. Got get it out of there. The Republicans love that kind of stuff, so they wanted to keep it in there. Yeah, and of course we know this is Frank's baby. His yeah. bill. So Frank went to the chief of house Vasquez and said, "Hey, you know what? If you can meet." Because uh, Bob Birch is like, well, the president can go fuck himself. Because if the president can just meet with the speaker uh, for 10 minutes, we can probably get this thing all smoothed over. It's going to flatter the speaker, and there's going to be some bipartisan, you know, bipartisan coming together, and we can get this uh, pushed through. Vasquez decided to sell this to the president as if it was her idea. Yeah. And then when uh, Francis finally made it into the Oval Office, which is the first time we've actually seen the president and even heard him speak, mm-hmm. and the president was echoing her plan, which was really his, he decided to just cut her dick off and say, no, that's, cr- that's a crazy idea. If you meet with the speaker, he's going to own you because he's going to know you're weak and he's going to boss you around the rest of your term. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can get this pushed through the, ho- the house without him. Which yeah. shocked the hell out of Vasquez because how is he going to do this? So his plan to do this is to get the Speaker of the House uh, ousted. Well, right? that's... Th- and get... and get. So the titles here are confusing me. And get the guy right below him to take his spot. Right. So the House Majority Leader... Yes. There you um, go. Who... Would move up to the Speaker of the House. Right. And then the that's President of the Black Caucus would take the majority's... The, yeah, the head of the Black Caucus would have take would have gone moved up into the House Majority Leader. House Majority Leader, okay. And this guy David um, David Rassiman, which is the current Majority Leader, would have been made Speaker. 
He actually okay. approached him, yeah. David, over pizza at the, uh, at the, I guess, the Congress buffet or yeah, whatever the, the hell, the cafeteria. Yeah. And, and he told him to go fuck himself. He wanted no part of yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to go against uh, Bob. That's insane. Because it was risky, right? It's very risky. If he goes against him and loses. Well, not only is it risky, it's basically uh, him going to the Republicans yeah. to fuck over the House majority leader and then getting enough Democrats in line. And if he had the entire Black Caucus plus himself and presumably uh, David, mm-hmm. um, and also I guess he could count on Russo as well. Um, yeah, so he says he needs the 13 votes and mm-hmm. that he and uh, Rasmussen are the are two and he needs yeah. 11 more. Uh, the guy tells him no, and so he goes to the leader of the Black Caucus uh, and says, hey, get, get your guys to back us here. Um, I need 12 votes. But he still didn't want to do that, the leader of the Black uh, Caucus. Uh-huh. Um, which, what does his... I mean, he eventually agrees to it, right? Yes, but the reason he did that is because he sweetened the deal by um, it, one of his districts was going to lose a military base with 3,000 jobs. Uh-huh. Uh, Terry, he's the head of the Black Caucus. So he's like, I'll give you House Majority Leader. You'll be the first black House Majority Leader, and I can save your base. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do that by making his man, Peter Russo, stand down in the the brat commission that you know decides which base is going to be closed or not he's got a base a shipyard that he's been working on forever and he ran as a campaign saving it he's going to not testify and just submarine the chances so he'll give up twelve thousand jobs in his district to save this guy three thousand so frank's deal will go through yeah and we know the reason that russo was doing that is because frank has information on him about being arrested and using cocaine and all these things uh, prostitutes, all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah. So now, so in the end, um, since since David didn't go along with him, he actually went to the Speaker of their House and said, David's leading this uh, revolt against you. And I went around with it because I could tell it, was, it would, would work. But I will withdraw my support for him if you make my guy, Terry, the House Majority Leader in his place and back my bill. Yeah, and now they're strong-arming the majority leader out of his position, just back to a regular Congress member. Uh, or they're saying if he doesn't go along with it, they'll totally oust him from uh, the House Yeah, and just guy, keep in mind, this guy's innocent of everything. Yeah. He tried to stay out of it. <laughs> he tried to. And then every, and, and he got completely Francis, – Francis went to the speaker and said, this guy's leading this you know rebellion against you. The guy denied it, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, Frank had gotten all the people that was his co-conspirators to finger uh, David Rasmussen. Yeah. And so then and at he's that like, point, they had the votes. It didn't matter. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to step down as House Majority Leader because of family responsibilities, whatever. You're not going to do interviews. You're going to support us. And he's like, well, if I don't play ball, it's like, well, then we're going to cut off all the Democratic Re-Election Committee is going to cut off yeah. all of your funding. This and will you be will, your last term. Yeah, you will lose the next election, and you'll be out of politics. Yeah. Um, amazing scorched earth. Incredible. And, and I, I don't even know if it's easier to follow with us explaining it than just watching the episode, but hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like... It's very complicated, but it just comes together beautifully, the way that Frank manipulates people into doing exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately... Um, you know, Peter Russo, uh, who had been on kind of the uptick with his girlfriend, 
Um, the episode kicks off with his ex. Sounds like she was flaking off with her boyfriend to go on vacation, dumping the kids with him. Yep. His girlfriend offered to take over a meeting with the shipyard guys. Um, he picked up the kids. Everything looked like it was going great. But then Frank dropped by his house at night and said, you got to do this. Uh, Peter, of course, did. Now, Frank made some promises about, like, I can I can help you out later on. Sure. Yeah. But in the short term, this obviously... It's a blackmail. It's it's betrayal. Like like Peter said, like, these guys are my friends. These are the people that got me elected, and I'm going to knife them in the back without any warning or explanation. Uh-huh. And it drove him back to drinking, uh, which... And With he his had, kids. He, he had, just left his kids at home Yeah, by he themselves. abandoned his kids by himself and embarrassed his girlfriend because Christine shows up and um, has... You know, the, you walks in and the kids are like, who are you? Are you my daddy's girlfriend? Why do you have the key? <laughs> make me a Pop-Tart. <laughs> yeah, make me a Pop-Tart. She puts him to bed, takes care of him. Peter comes home, passes out. But then the next day she's like, I'm, I contacted their grandmother. I'm taking them to the, the, their house. And then I'm breaking up with you. It's over, yeah. Professionally, personally, everything. Mm-hmm. So Peter seems like he's on a trajectory to hit rock bottom. Sure, yeah. And we know that he... Or or I guess we can at least assume that he has an addictive personality, right? And that that he will fall that's, into his old habits again. That's his coping after mechanism. After this big blow, yeah. That's, if he doesn't want to feel something, he numbs himself up with drugs, alcohol, and probably prostitutes. Sure. Now, that like, takes Exactly care. like I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ball move way. <laughs> so that takes care of the political angle. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about Claire or do you want to talk about Zoe? Uh, let's talk about Zoe first. Okay. So, beginning of the episode, Zoe's boss, Tom the Hammer, Schmammer, mm-hmm. uh, Stein or whatever the hell his name is, um, is talking to the owner of the newspaper and saying, I gotta fire this Zoe girl because she is a maverick and mm-hmm. she's headstrong and she bucks my authority and it's bad for the newspaper, it's bad for discipline. And she tells this elaborate story, um, about... You know, girls moving into college dorms and blah, blah, blah. And she says it's more, basically the the moral of the story is it's more important to uh, make news and bring, uh, and and have an interesting personality bringing in viewers and readers than it is to have someone following the rules. Sure. Uh, That makes a lot of sense, especially considering the situation that the paper is in, losing, losing readership and needing to, you know, have new growth. So that leads leads him to offer her this very plum job of White House correspondent. Yeah. And then she's like, well, what about Janine? And he's like, well, I'm promoting Janine to Midwest bureau chief. (laughs) So on paper, that is a promotion because she's now going to head her own news agency arm. Yeah. But as a person from the Midwest, let me assure you this, that's basically being sent to Siberia. (laughs) <laughs> sure. Um, Aside from Chicago, we don't have much here in the Midwest. Right, right. And it's certainly not as interesting as being the chief political correspondent based out of Washington. No. Um, so he thinks she's going to be thrilled, but she senses that, hey, you know what? Um, I mean, think about White Horse, White Horse, White House <laughs> correspondents. Uh-huh. Um, they go to uh with dozens of other reporters to dog and pony shows at the white house's behest 
yeah. half, and it's basically Canned statements. She says that there, there's nothing interesting happens there, and it's basically a dead end for her career if she you, goes. There. Yeah, you're basically regurgitating White House press releases. It's yeah. very prestigious. It probably pays a lot of money. Uh-huh. Um, she could move out of that shithole apartment. <laughs> it's probably high profile, but it's not going to be as fun. Uh huh. And Francis later confirms to her, it's like you know, not only that, but you're going to be of no use to me anymore as a White House correspondent. Yeah. Um, and so she changes her mind and she says, I'm not going to take the job. She goes to Janine, mm-hmm. uh, and tries to get her on her side, but she's not having it. No, I mean, can you imagine that basically she's sticking her nose up at, and th- this ruffled a lot of feathers because a lot of her friends at the Herald were like, you know, we'd kill for this job, especially. Yeah. Lucas, I think his name yeah, is. Lu- yeah. Uh, especially, uh, as young as you are and as new in this position. Yeah. And then she goes to Tom and tells him, look, I changed my mind again. I'm not going to take it. Uh, and he freaks out. He drops a C-bomb. Well, rightfully so. And, yeah, and let's talk about, like, who who's at fault here? Because she is waffling, like, big time. And it's making his life really difficult. Well, honestly, I think he should have fired her. He just should have yeah, called her. Yeah, without dropping the C-bomb, he right? He shouldn't have <laughs> called her a C-unit, no. Okay. I mean, especially since, obviously, she recorded this and probably tweeted it. Uh, yeah, I don't know what she tweeted. We didn't ever ever see that, right? I'm guessing she recorded the whole conversation. The the whole conversation, and she yeah. kind of baited him into saying it too, because he tried to, you know, bite it off. Now, I, again, I don't think that uh-huh. this is no way to behave professionally. Sure, no, the the right thing to do there is just fire her and yeah. say see you later. And he probably could have gone to the owner of the newspaper and been like, "Look, I tried to give her a white horse, a white horse." <laughs> The Just White Horse it, Correspondent, yeah. <laughs> She's going to, you know, go high ho silver right uh-huh. off to the White ho- House, yeah. White House of Horses, uh, and, you know, live happily ever after. And she wasn't having it. And not only that, she pissed off our senior political correspondent, Janine. And the, I'm guessing the owner would be like, well, fuck her then. Yeah, there's a right way to do that. And I think he could have got away with it. Right. He just totally mishandled it. Um, And then she goes on and she calls... Uh, Frank up and says, hey, I am of use to you now. I'm very available. Mm-hmm. Very available, as it turns <laughs> out. Yeah, in more ways than just as a journalist. Uh, offers to meet her, meet him at her house. He comes by, cases the uh, black-footed hippie shithole. Uh, <laughs> tells her that he's an older man. He's going to hurt her and throw her away. Uh-huh. Tells her to get out of them heels. And then presumably sexy times ensue. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much her storyline. That's where we leave her. What about Claire? Why do you think oh, she decided? More? Because when I was first watching this, I was actually somewhat impressed that they weren't taking this sexually. That it seemed to be. You oh, know, well, that's that, gone now. That 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 <laughs> uh, Frank was above that and she didn't need it. She was still being useful and, you know, she was still obviously smart, hardworking. Why do you think they decided on the show to have them consummate this relationship? Do you think it's more interesting, less interesting? Is it problematic in any way? I don't know, because in the same episode, you also have Claire uh, falling back in with her, I guess, old fling, Adam. So we're going in the, we're going to start talking about well, Claire we, now, too. I, I feel like those plot lines are connected, right? You've got Claire uh, presumably cheating on her husband, we're, and then her husband doing the same thing in the same episode. We're made to think that, but I have the very clear impression in this episode that they're in a more or less open relationship the discussion they have when she comes back home after seeing adam Uh in the hotel room 
Yeah, I think you're right. It, it feels very much like that's the case. Plus, when she was picking out dresses to meet him yesterday, yeah. he's like, well, if you want to seem more inviting, yeah. then go with the black. And then, again, this goes back to the first episode where Zoe and Frank met. She seemed to be completely unthreatened by her sexual advances and all that. Mm-hmm. So, and it's funny because they... Um, I thought that in the first episode, then I started to think, well, maybe they don't. And then in this episode, I started to think, well, maybe she's cheating on him. And then it just seems like they just have this very, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. It's an open relationship. I, I almost said progressive, but I don't know that's necessarily progressive. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. As far as like Frank's end of the deal here with Zoe, um, I'm not really sure what the incentive is for him to get involved here other than, you know. He's with this young, attractive girl, and that's his thing, I guess. Do you think that he thinks that this gives him more power over her? Uh, that scene certainly indicated that. I mean, he's, like, you know, do you taking think, charge, commanding her to do things. I feel like it, it get, he got off a little bit on the yeah. fact that she took a career choice based on his say-so. Sure. And now there's all this, this, this kind of sexual power dynamic imbalance as well. I wouldn't doubt that that is there. Uh, what What about Claire? It, why does she go with Adam? I know she's commissioning him to do some work for her foundation. Um, but it seems like there might have been a hint of trying to get back at Frank a little bit for messing with her Sandcorp deal. Uh, I don't. I don't know that that was it. I think... I don't know, because she, she called him and said, I, I need to use you. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I feel like that that's exactly what she did. She wanted him to donate his because the the this opened up with Remy coming uh, to see their office yeah. and see the new girl, and he offers you know now that Francis has made things right with the new Secretary of State, that's that um, you know obviously is playing ball with his corporation that he's fronting. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it like Ren Corp or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Or Sand Corp, Remy Corp, uh, <laughs> Remy Corp. <laughs> uh, He's like, hey, I'm I'm not only am I willing to put the original donation back on the table, I'm willing to double it. You can hire back everyone you fired. You can expand this new African opportunity, and also there's no strings attached as far as Francis's career. Now, Francis yeah. doesn't believe that. I don't believe it either. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, I, I think Frank makes right call here in saying he may not want anything now, but eventually he will come calling. Yeah, and it seems like that Frank tries to avoid being in people's debt. Yeah, he says he can get the money other ways. Yeah. And, um, on his terms. You yeah, know? so she can do a fundraiser and he can pack it with his rich and powerful friends. And she, we see the dinner party, which is working. I mean, he got them the tickets to that table at the event a couple episodes ago. Yep. And now they're coming back donating money. And yeah. I think Claire sees that, right? Right. She understands that she doesn't really need Sancorp with the picture that <laughs> that Frank sends her. Yeah. Uh, says, oh, you have me. You don't need Sancorp. Right, which was way back. That was way back in the day when he first became, probably got his first run at Congress. Yeah. Um, so, But there's something clearly bothering her. Like, you know, I don't know why she didn't decide to con- to rekindle things with Adam. It's almost like, you know... I made the decision to break things off for whatever reason, and I'm the type of girl that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't go back for leftovers. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't recycle relationships. I mean, some people fall into that habit, but yeah. she seems to be the one doesn't doesn't want to do that. 
Yeah, and not just in relationships, you know. Yeah. When when she decides something, she decides it. Right. And lives with the consequences of it. Although it does seem like, you know, because when she went to get the bottle of wine and she was, you know, uh, kind of like having a moment in front of the refrigerator, which her friends seemed to misinterpret as hot flashes. Uh-huh. Um, I think that was just her struggling with uh, rebuffing Adam. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, can, can we talk about the wine bottles in this show? Okay. Like, everybody leaves full bottles of wine uncorked in this their like refrigerators. I, like, I, I know they go bad. You can put the cork back on. It doesn't matter. It'll taste bad later on. Yeah, it oxidizes. And clearly you can see there's a full bottle of wine in her fridge with a cork that's not even in. The only thing I can think of is I thought maybe there was like a glass of wine missing. <laughs> there definitely wasn't, man. It's full to the tip top. She pours half a glass for the the person who's in her kitchen and then pours another glass for her. Yeah, that's really weird. It's super weird. And I think they just do that for the expediency of not having to have her open the bottle of wine. And But she could have done all that while she was talking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, it felt to me like the script called for it, and so they went with it. But that's not only that, but like uh, earlier on with Peter Russo, last episode with his girlfriend, she stole a bottle from such and such a reception. Uh huh. I guess that bottle could have been opened, but this is like the third or fourth bottle we've seen that is yeah. reasonably full and it's just already been opened and it's just kind of lounging well, around. I mean, even stage. if that bottle is open, it's like four days old or something. Yeah. It's going to taste terrible. Yeah. And these people act like, oh, well, I got a great bottle of wine. Yeah, it was a great bottle of wine a week ago when it was opened. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shit bottle of wine now. Yeah. I don't know. It just is weird and I keep seeing it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other plot threads to talk about? Uh, Jillian seems like she not only accepted the offer, but she's, yeah. this is, you know, we, we flash forward to where we know from talking to Vasquez that, uh, we're nearing the end of the hundred days. Yes. So roughly three months in the future from where we began, well, actually four months because we were beginning of January, inauguration was the 20th where the hundred days began. Mm-hmm. Now we're at the end of that. So we're like three, four months in the future. This girl is now well plugged in. Jillian's well plugged into the clean water initiative. She's opening all these wells. She's got a flagship project she wants that's going to take almost a quarter million dollars. Um, so that seems to be going uh, well as as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's really all I had to say about this episode. I was so concerned with following the main plot thread here that I didn't have a lot of time to just observe the episode as, you know, an episode of television. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's a great show. <laughs> but, I mean, now the leadership has completely been shook up. There's a new, uh, I mean, so far, if we're keeping score, uh-huh. Frank has got a secretary of state that's uh, uh, loyal to him. Mm-hmm. He's got Peter Russo, which is his basic little soldier. Mm-hmm. And he's got... Uh, the House Majority Leader, which is also completely loyal to him, and the Speaker, and the Speaker House of the House thinks he helped stave off a rebellion. Yeah. So certainly he's going to pay him back a favor. This is basically Game of Thrones set in the White House, <laughs> and Frank is uh-huh. Littlefinger. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Whose head is coming off? Uh, well... <laughs> Tom. I mean, I'm going to go with Tom. Uh, well, I, uh, David Rasmussen was uh, Ned Stark. <laughs> there you go. He tried okay. to do the right thing, and Dang. he lost his head for it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Spoiler alerts on Game of Thrones, by the way. Yeah. 
No, what? It's not a. Come on, Sean Bean <laughs> dies in there. It's it's not a it's not That's a spoiler true. to say that he dies. Okay, fair enough. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.baldmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, they cost you nothing. And be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Check out our website for all our other great television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our great pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. And don't forget to join us on Valentine's Day weekend starting Saturday, February 14th for our coverage of Season 2 of House of Cards. See you next time.